Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. What follows is a conversation I had on the 10th of September, 2014, on radio station CJOB in Winnipeg, Canada, with the host, Mr. Charles Adler. We discussed the findings of a preliminary report of the crash of MH17, which occurred on July 17, 2014, a report that was released by the Dutch government. Among other things, we discussed the likelihood that families could actually get some sort of compensation from the governments involved in this event, and also the likelihood that the Russian government deliberately targeted this aircraft for destruction. So the investigation has been done on the shootdown of the Malaysian jet over the skies of Ukraine, and officially they're calling it high-energy objects. That's what the Dutch investigators say. A Malaysian Airlines passenger jet going down over a war zone in eastern Ukraine was struck by, and I'm quoting, high-energy objects from outside the aircraft. The Dutch leading the investigation saying in a preliminary report, which was published this week, as I'm sure you know if you've been listening to 680 CGOB, the funding and finding is consistent with theories that the jetliner was brought down by a missile designed to detonate before reaching its intended target, spraying it with sharp metal fragments. All right, so this is technical uh, language, and it means that the Russians shot the plane down. Or or does it? Todd Curtis is with the AirSafe Foundation. Uh, he is based in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, he has worked for Boeing, uh, and uh, he's also been a member of the uh, United States Air Force. And uh, Todd Safe runs an organization called AirSafe, the AirSafe Foundation. You can find him. Just Google Todd Curtis and AirSafe. And, uh, Todd, let me just ask you this uh, fr from the get-go. Uh, do, you, do you have any quarrel with the idea that it was a missile that brought down the plane? Well, first, let me thank you for once again inviting me to your show. It's always a pleasure to have an opportunity to speak to your audience. And uh, interestingly, the preliminary report that came out from the Dutch authorities who are running this investigation didn't use the word missile. However, I have no quarrel with the widely perceived notion uh, backed up by eyewitness reports and other evidence that this airplane was shot down by a particular kind of missile system that was uh, designed in the... Uh, in, in, or at least supplied by Russia. Whether it was fired by the Russians or by some of the rebels in Ukraine remains to be seen. But I have no quarrel with a missile being the cause of the crash. Now, one of the reasons that we like to talk to you from time to time about important issues like this is there are always other wrinkles. There are other aspects of the story, and because of your incredible experience in aviation, uh, you are able to ask the kinds of questions that most lay people can't ask. So what kinds of answers have you gotten to the questions that you've been asking? Well, some of those questions remain to be answered. The big question going beyond the obvious tragic uh, events that led to the loss of all on board is, what were the circumstances that allowed several airliners that day to be flying over a conflict zone where there were missiles capable of shooting down aircraft flying at cruising altitudes? Now, as the preliminary report uh, pointed out, there were actually three other airliners, two 777s and an A330, which is similar in size to the 777, which were flying in the vicinity of the aircraft that was shot down. And in fact, at the time of the uh, crash, the closest aircraft was less than 20 miles away from the uh, aircraft that crashed. So really, this is a situation where clearly some actors here, the Ukrainian government and perhaps the Russian government, knew there were surface-air missiles operating in this area, and that these missiles were 
far more capable than your surface-to-air missile fired from the shoulder, which is the common one used by insurgents and, and, um, and warriors all over the world. Yet, the Ukrainian government allowed aircraft to fly at altitudes above 32,000 feet. Now, point of fact, this aircraft was at 33,000 feet when it was shot down, or apparently shot down. But it really begs the question, if the Ukrainian government knew there were missiles there, if the Russian government perhaps knew there were missiles there, if NATO and the U.S. government knew there were missiles there, why then were airlines, airliners allowed to fly in the area? Todd, uh, what were the nationalities of the other airliners which were rather close, essentially there at the same time? The uh, report from the Dutch authorities didn't specify what those were. And uh, although I, I admit I didn't do my homework, I could have actually gone to one of a number of online resources for tracking aircraft. Uh, Flight Tracker 24, if I remember it right, is one of them, where you can go back historically and look at a particular area of the world and see which airliners were flying through that area at that time. So this is something that was not discussed in the preliminary report, but it's information that is widely known. I don't think they were Canadian and American because uh, they were the Canadian and American airliners uh, had been instructed to stay out of the zone. Is that correct? Oh, that's correct. I believe, and I remember seeing the, the initial reports, I believe one of them was from one of the Middle East airlines like Emirate or Etihad, but again, my memory fails me. I'll have to go back and look at those historical records, but that information is known to the authorities. Let me just ask a, a couple of questions, and, and you may be able to or not be able to answer some of them. Um, if what you're saying is established as fact, uh, that the Russians and the Ukrainians, for, forget the, the, the so-called rebels who, in I think everyone's opinion, are, are Russian puppets, and obviously they're using uh, technology uh, with the aid of the Russians. They can't be using it without uh, the Russians helping them. So let's just uh, say the Russian government and the Ukrainian government, if both are culpable here, if they're aware uh, that planes are operating in a combat zone, and they're both aware of that, and obviously the Russians and the Ukrainians also have air traffic control, they're monitoring all of this. If they're aware that these planes are flying into a danger zone, don't those families have the apparatus to sue both the Russians and the Ukrainians for the loss of lives? Well, unfortunately for those families, a variety of uh, international traditions and laws specifically for international air transport will limit what they can do. Uh, by international agreement, there are severe limitations as to what the families of those who are lost can do when it comes to suing the airline or the uh, governments of uh, Malaysia, Ukraine, and, and Russia. And furthermore, um, when it comes to suing a sovereign state, uh, there are many international barriers to that. So even if it turns out that there is a government that is directly or indirectly involved with the loss of these lives, it may prove to be extremely difficult or impossible to get any sort of compensation from those governments. Is there any other aspect of this story that you find really, really curious? Because I know you're a curious George. You've got lots of questions. I just wonder, what else are you thinking about right now? Well, the biggest thing I find curious about this is that the role of various intelligence agencies in the U.S. and elsewhere including NATO countries, which may have had a far clearer picture of the risk in particular areas of the world, not just over eastern Ukraine, than is what usually provided by civil aviation authorities. In short, for example, the FAA may have some sway in t as to whether U.S. airliners can fly over a particular part of the world. 
Well, if they were relying only on their internal information for finding out what the risks are, they'll be blind to most of what's going on. I suspect, although I have seen no proof of this, that the U.S. intelligence community routinely supplies information to other branches of government to warn them of particular dangers, which may not be publicly known. Publicly known rather. And the Canadian government, along with the U.S. government, the U.K. government, New Zealand, and Australia, have been in a long-term, several decades long, very close cooperative agreement when it comes to sharing intelligence. So the fact that the Canadian and U.S. governments may prevent airliners from flying in a particular area, and other countries may allow them, usually says to me that those governments, those five governments, are sharing information amongst themselves that they're not sharing with the rest of the world. Todd, are we absolutely certain that the Russians didn't know what they were shooting at? It's unclear uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the Russian government has not been extremely keen with uh, transparency when it comes to this situation. Uh, they have not provided direct evidence of whether or not they had uh, missile systems in that area or if those missile systems were used. They haven't provided access to the people who may have been responsible for them. Um, it, in my opinion, clearly, this was a deliberate act. That is, this was not an accidental launching of a missile. This is very likely directed by whoever was running that missile battery and ordered, or at least allowed to, uh, what they call the um, rules of engagement. Somewhere above that level of the missile battery, someone had a set of rules of engagement for eastern Ukraine that allowed them to shoot at aircraft. Now, who those decision makers were, it's unclear. What I, don't, what I don't really understand is if this is an area where the Russians are aware that all kinds of civilian aircraft are flying through. Okay, the Brits and the New Zealanders and the Canadians and the Americans aren't. We understand that. But many others are. If they're aware, they have to make absolutely sure as to what it is that they're shooting at. So it, it, it begs this question. Uh, since... Putin is a man who thrives on chaos because chaos benefits him. It begs the question, did Putin care that it might be a civilian airliner? Or, of course, was he targeting a civilian airliner to create as much chaos as possible? Well, uh, say what you will about uh, Vladimir Putin and the Russian government. Uh, I, for one, don't believe that they are so divorced from reality and so insane that they would deliberately aim at a civilian airliner because of the obvious international repercussions that would happen. Uh, the typical international airline flight actually has citizens from a variety of countries, and flight MH17 was no different. And if one deliberately targets airliners like that in that part of Europe, you could bring half a dozen or more countries into the political process of whatever conflict they're in who weren't there before. And I believe clearly, and that's what happened here, the Dutch government, which had the majority of people on board that aircraft, clearly have a far keener interest in what goes on in Ukraine than they did before that, that accident. And also the Dutch government is running the investigation. Now, I'd like to point out that in February of next year, there is a plan to have the International Civil Aviation Organization, which of course is based in Montreal, to have a essentially a UN-wide meeting on aviation safety and risks such as these, which will involve every member state of the UN. So, getting back to the question of, did the Russians deliberately attack this aircraft? I don't think Putin or anyone else would want to have this level of scrutiny uh, over an event like that. So, I seriously doubt this was deliberately attacked 
Well, I'm just I'm just asking here, and naturally, uh, you know about my background. You know how I feel about Putin, and just on a moral level, I really don't think Vladimir Putin loses any sleep at night over how many civilians die. I wouldn't doubt that either. On that, we'll agree. Todd, thank you very much for the visit, as always. Well, thank you again for having me. Todd Curtis, he's based in Massachusetts. Uh, he is a veteran. Uh, he's an engineer. He has worked for the United States Air Force and for Boeing. And you can easily find him by Googling Todd Curtis Air Safe. For more information about Malaysia Airlines Flight MH17, please visit 777.airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.